0: Blob Talk Radio Ten, nine, eight, seven. Tonight.
1: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
2: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: Gracias. <laughs>
0: El presidente de la República, José Luis Sánchez, anunció el día de hoy. Tonight
5: yeah. <laughs>
6: I think you can you hear us now?
7: I can hear you, but it's pretty faint.
6: All right, I think we've uh, isolated the problem.
7: Yeah, I think I got you now. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, sir.
6: All right, fantastic.
7: <laughs> I.
6: I apologize about the audio problem. I think I know what the problem is, but uh, we've just got to try to work work through it here. Uh, Joining us uh, from up in Toronto, we'll try this again. uh, uh, Tyson Longsweiger from uh, onpitroad.com joins us up from the streets of Toronto where IndyCar is back on the track. I I can hear the action going on uh, down there, but uh, up there, I should say,
7: but how's it going on in Toronto today? It is good. It is good. It's nice and hot right now. Uh, We do have a chance of rain later in the day, which could impact uh, IndyCar qualifying, so that could be interesting. Uh, And and that rain is kind of supposed to be sporadic thunderstorms if we do get it, Uh, and that would also impact uh, the rest of the day's later activities. could impact Indy Lights racing. could impact uh, Stadium Super Trucks, NASCAR Pinty Series. So it could get interesting if we do get rain, but right now, really hot, really sunny. Uh, You can hear the Indy Lights cars uh, behind me. uh, They've just gone on a break after qualifying. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a nice warm day already. Got cars on the track already. Good Saturday. Okay, Tyson,
6: can you hear
0: it a little bit better?
7: Uh, Yeah, I can.
0: All right, Tyson, can you hear
7: me? Yeah, I got you now.
6: Oh man. One of those days, isn't it?
7: <laughs> it is one what of those is
6: days. Action there in Toronto. Real quickly before we get into some more IndyCar card talk. First of all, congratulations on Toronto winning the NBA championship. Uh but now you have kinda lost without Kawhi. We were on Kawhi watch for a while. Uh what are your thoughts as far as being a Raptor fan and and Kawhi coming to the Lake I mean to the Clippers, I'm
7: sorry. Yeah, I mean it's it obviously hurts a bit, but brought us a championship, so we got that to go off of. And we still have Pascal Siakam who I think is like a future star for sure. So I think Raptors will be alright. Uh I was lucky enough to get to go to the parade, got a really good view. Uh it was a really fun time getting to celebrate uh with the city of Toronto.
6: Well that's good. It's always good when, when your city wins a championship. Well let's talk about Yeah, we don't get that often here. No, well, they've never had it before as far as an NBA championship, so uh, yeah, congratulations, and just move on from there, and uh, we'll see what, how, uh, why, and George uh, does, and the Clippers, we'll be getting into that more detail on the craziness of the NBA a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk with us a little bit about the course, the streets of Toronto, this is through the streets of Toronto, which is a little bit different than a road course, or obviously an oval course, Uh, but talk with us a little bit about the course there in Toronto.
7: Well, it's an 11-turn track, and and the one thing that all of the drivers seem to agree on, and there's not a lot of things that drivers tend to agree on, but the one thing they do always is turns 9, 10, and 11 are the big trouble spots. And this year we have an epoxy set up in turn 11 to make it a little bit more stickier, but it's also giving the the drivers more issues. Uh, We've seen a lot of drivers have trouble uh, early in practice already. uh, Alexander Rossi has had his fair share of troubles uh, pretty early on, And he's not the only one. Uh, Marcus Erickson crashing yesterday. That, I believe, actually happened in turn seven. Uh, But a lot of drivers struggling, and it's not just IndyCar drivers. They're struggling in in all the series. USF 2000, there was a big accident uh, in qualifying Uh, yesterday. The NASCAR Pinty Series drivers, they've been struggling with it. So it's definitely a a trouble spot, and that's one that most of the drivers will be uh, looking towards to try to manage uh, their tires, manage issues. Well, well, absolutely, and, and that, that's it's a
6: little bit different here on my ears, between my ears, and I'm having a delay, so I do apologize. I think we're, trying, we're getting this uh, uh, fixed. We're just trying to get hobble through to the next uh, uh, commercial break. Uh, but obviously, Scott Dixon, Simon Pagenaud, James Hitchcliffe, all the ones to watch there in Toronto. Let's talk a little bit about one of your fellow Canadians, and that's Robert Wickens. Robert Wickens. Uh, through the help of Errol and Sam Schmidt, was able to take a lap
7: in a car yesterday. Yeah, Robert Wickens, uh, really uh, an incredible story there. And, um, so he'll be driving the Acura NSX Pace car uh, before the race uh, tomorrow, uh, taking a couple laps. He's got a little bit of on-track practice already uh, in the streets of Toronto, and then he also did a test session with that car um, at uh, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, just about an hour up the road in Bowmanville. Um, so it's really cool to see him get to drive this car. as a, a, a car equipped with hand controls. And this is something that Aero and Honda have been able to develop over uh, the years. And they actually developed one, if you guys remember, for Sam Schmidt a few years back, uh, which is yeah. you know, more than That's just cool. hand controls. It's, it's he uses his mouth, basically, to drive. And it's uh, it's really incredible to see the way that Aero is able to be, to grow this technology and Uh, Robert and and Honda and Aero, they all held a uh, press conference yesterday, which was fun to to be a part of. Uh, You know, I got to ask Robert about the fan support he's received here in Toronto, and you know, if if you're in Toronto this week, you would see more Robert Wickens hats and t-shirts, and you would see James Hinchcliffe. and that's something I would not have predicted a year ago, that that anyone would be more popular than Hinch at this racetrack, but people really do uh, love seeing Robert around, and and uh, it's been fun to watch all that uh, through the press conference yesterday. He talked about his rehab. He talked about uh, getting back to where he needs to be. And, and you can see there's just a smile on his face most of the time. He's taking this all in stride as much as he can. And it's uh, it's been great to see Robert uh, really be open with his recovery. It is. And,
6: you know, and what a horrifying wreck it was. And certainly he, he's lucky to be alive and, certainly uh, his teammate uh, James Hinchcliffe knows what it's like to go through this type of extreme rehab. He was able to come back as well. So hopefully uh, in the future, we'll be able to see uh, Wickens in, in a car again. Well, now that we're talking about Errol, we might as well start with um, Sam Schmidt and James Hinchcliffe. Uh, obviously the mayor of Hinchtown, the other favorite Canadian in IndyCar, it seems has moved into second place. <laughs> but, uh James left, one of my personal
7: favorites. What are we seeing from him this weekend? Well, I mean, it, they've, they've had a little bit of trouble getting up to speed, but they're kind of finding their way there now. Uh, and, you know, I think this is kind of the story every year. Uh, Hinch doesn't ten, uh, tend to find a lot of speed in practice, and then it gets into the race, and, and whether it be through strategy or, you know, finding that pace in the race, they they do find it and they get up to the front, uh a couple couple seasons getting podium finishes. You know, obviously Wickens got a podium last year and then um I believe Hinch was fourth or fifth. So I mean he's gonna probably find that speed, get up there and this is a really important race for him. He wants to win this race, I think probably more so than he would want to win the Indy five hundred. When in front of your home crowd it's a it's a big deal, especially when you're the only hometown driver in the field. Uh so I think this is a really important weekend for, for James Hinchcliffe. He's got a good teammate to lean on in, in Marcus Erickson, though he has uh, struggled a bit this weekend getting involved in an accident. Uh, but I think the schmidt Peterson boys have got some good speed. Honda has quite a bit of speed this weekend. So it, it should, be, um, should be a good weekend for James Hinchcliffe, I think. I don't know if it's going to be a win, but I think a podium is definitely in, uh, in the realm of possibility. Well, I certainly hope so. So let's uh,
6: talk a little bit about some of the stables there in uh, Toronto. Let's start with the biggest of them all, and that's Team uh, uh, Pensky. There's some rumblings going around uh, that there might be a possibility that Rossi will dump ship at the end of this season. I think he's down the home there with uh, Andretti. I don't really anticipate that happening. But Roger Pensky, uh, what it, what it, what are we seeing out of there? Obviously, we, we've got um, Will Power, Simon Pagenaud, Joseph Newgarden, all Uh, Pinsky stable.
7: Well, the thing that I see with this is, and and I've heard those rumblings actually quite a bit yesterday as well, that, that, you know, maybe Rossi is going to be making his way over to team Penske, but I just don't see where there's room unless they want to add a new car and find the sponsorship for it, which I just don't think they would be able to do right now. Excuse me. Um, I mean, how do you dump Simon Pagino, your Indy 500 winner who basically dominated the month of May He's, uh, he's not quite, you know, on a full season pace right now, but it's just I don't know how you dump an Indy 500 winner right after he wins it. Uh, Joseph Newgarden also having an extremely strong season. He's won a few races this year. And, and oddly enough, Will Power has kind of been the, the weakest link of the Team Penske bunch, but that doesn't mean you get rid of him. I mean, this has kind of been a bit of an off year for him, but uh, you don't really – I feel like if you lose Will Power, that would be an aspirin decision. So unless uh, Team Penske intends to open a fourth car again on a full-time basis, which I think if that were the case, Elio wins have uh, gone away. Um, I don't see Alexander Rossi jumping ship over to Team Penske. And kind of as you said, I think he's found a good home with with the Andretti Autosport boys. So right now I'm thinking, uh, as you can probably hear cars behind me, right now I'm thinking uh, Rossi can stay put.
6: Talk a little bit about Andretti. Uh, What what do we see? Okay, we'll go ahead and talk about Rossi there in Toronto. And I I totally agree with you. I think that Alexander Rossi has found a good spot there with Andretti. uh, But what do we see in there with the Andretti camp?
7: Well, Rossi's definitely leading the way in terms of all of those drivers. Um, You know, Zach Beach, this this was a really good race for him last year. And I think he needs to turn it around this year and, and try to find that same speed that he had, you know, he, he went from the back. He started, I think, uh, one of the, in, in one of the two last rows and then ended up making it, uh, up to uh six or seventh in the race. So I think, uh, beach needs to find that speed to get where he needs to be. Marco Andretti has also had a pretty impressive pace at the Honda Indian, the past. Uh, I'm not quite sure if they're going to be there this weekend. Uh, So, I mean, I think Andretti is kind of not where they need to be right now aside from Alexander Rossi, and that shouldn't really be a surprise either. Well, let's uh, –
0: okay, now I'm getting feedback. I can hear you on my end. Okay, we're
6: just going we're gonna keep hobbling through this guys, and I appreciate your patience uh with us on this. Um, so because i'm I'm multitasking here, I'm kind of uh, lost my notes by placing the notes so uh but go ahead and just walk us through tomorrow's race. What are we looking for? What are the dark horses? What are we looking for from qualification, and uh, what are some of the the strategies that these teams will be putting together as far as fuel fuel mileage uh tires? Everything that counts in putting together a street court course race.
7: Well, I think one of the key things right now is we look back at yesterday's practice sessions. And again, like I was saying before, nine, ten, eleven, those are going to be the trouble spots for people today. And if you can get through nine, ten, eleven uh, relatively smoothly, which you know I say relatively because it's kind of hard to get through a street course like Toronto uh, smoothly. Sorry, got cars behind me that were really interrupting me there. Uh, but if you if you can get through nine, ten, eleven smoothly and qualifying, you can probably pr- put up a pretty good lap. Simon Pagenaud and Scott Dixon were the two quickest in uh, in the practice sessions yesterday. And I think somebody that you really have to watch for is uh, Felix Rosenqvist. I think I say this a lot, but particularly on these street courses is where he's been putting up his best results. Uh, you know, obviously the debut at St. Pete was pretty spectacular. It seemed like you know he was maybe going to pull a Wiccans and almost win on debut. Uh, he was really strong in Detroit as well. Those are his two best finishes in IndyCar in the two uh, street courses there. And he's been pretty quick in practice as well. Uh, I believe he was second quick in the, the second practice yesterday. So I think, uh, and he's got a you know veteran teammate to lean on in Scott Dixon, who has won here several times and is the defending winner of this race. Uh, so I think Dixon, Pagano, Rosenkuss, the guys that were fast yesterday. Those are going to be the guys you want to keep your eye on uh, today and uh, through it the rest of the weekend. Well, certainly
6: we got our top uh, five Simon Patty's Felix Joders West, uh, Sebastian Bourdais, Mr. Piggott, Scott Dixon, Graham Hall, Marco Andretti, and Joseph Newgarden Wallet, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Will Power all round out the top 10. What, what do we say about what's going on in the top 10 in point standings?
7: Well, I think the top 10 is kind of what you would expect to be. You have those drivers up in the front that, that uh, we would expect. And I think right now it's kind of a fight between uh, Alexander Rossi and Joseph Newgarden for the title. I, I really don't see Simon Pagenaud sticking it out through the remainder of the season. Every time uh, we look at this race in Toronto, it's kind of the pivotal moment of the turning point in championship, uh, just because of where it rests in the season, kind of right at the halfway mark. Uh, so I think we look forward and, and we see that these guys and uh, Rossi and Newgarden, these are going to be the two fighting it out for the championship, uh, which really could make things interesting if, you know, we do see that story of, of Rossi moving uh, to Team Penske next season. But, again, I, I just don't see that happening.
6: Well, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I mean, Penske is Penske. I mean, it is kind of hard to say no to Roger Penske, but I certainly I agree. I do not just see Rossi making that move. But you know, if anybody can make it happen, it's, it's Roger Penske because he has uh, the money to make it happen, and he's he's got the payroll to make it happen, and he's got the history in the championships uh, uh, to make it happen. And, you know, in kind of, you know, the other uh, sports, uh, uh, Penske is certainly the uh, the super team as well. You we talked a little bit about Chip uh, Ganassi racing as far as those goes, but uh, you know, it's, it's good to see. Young rookie, Simon, he did well here in Indy. He's doing well. He started in the point standing. So he's obviously learning a lot from Chip Canassi. And what are your thoughts about him?
7: Sorry, I didn't quite catch who the driver was. Rose and Okay. Yeah. No. I think he's a, a really uh, talented driver. Um, I mean, we've seen, and I think a lot of people saw that uh, just in his past. He's done a lot of racing in Europe. Competed uh, part time in Indy Lights a few years ago, where he actually does have a little bit of experience at this racetrack. Um, and he really tends well on the street courses. I think he needs to, you know, kind of learn these ovals before we consider him a, you know, more well-rounded championship contender. But Felix Rosenqvist, he's a really talented driver. I think, you know, when you look at the rookie classes here, we have a really solid rookie class. Obviously, Colton Hurd has got a win already. Kind of struggled since winning. But, you know, when you win in your rookie season, I think you can deem that a success no matter what. And then uh, Marcus Erickson has also had a really strong start to the season, getting a podium earlier this year. So the, the rookies that we have right now in the IndyCar Series, extremely talented. They come from very diverse backgrounds. You know, Ericsson and, and Rosen that's actually both Swedish, both race a lot in Europe, and, and Ericsson, you know, passed uh, F1 experience. I think we have a, a really good rookie class in those three. How hard is it to pass
0: in,
6: in How hard is it to pass at Toronto?
7: It's extremely hard to pass, and you have to really manage your tires and manage uh, the other drivers around you to see where a a good passing opportunity is. I think a lot of drivers, they often, uh, in turn seven, we kind of have a a bit of a hairpin, I guess you could say. And a lot of drivers, I feel like, get tempted to make the passes there, and they end up getting bit by it. Uh, And that's an area that you really don't want to make a mistake. Uh, your best opportunities to make a pass are when you get, the, get on the push pass, get close enough to another driver. They can, you, you can open that up and, and use that advantage on the straightaways to try to make a pass. Uh, and then uh, also when other drivers make uh, mistakes, I think most of the passes that we see or most of the, the position changes we see tend to be either when drivers are making a mistake or through strategy. Um, so that, those are going to be the key points to watch for uh, tomorrow. So
6: right now if we were to pick a winner
7: right now who um, would be who would you pick the Tyson to win there in Toronto I mean it's hard to bet against uh, Scott Dixon you know who's won about a million races in his career He's the defending race winner of of, uh, of this race last year and and Dixon's also when we used to do this race twice a year the only driver that was able to uh, to win both races in that season So I think Dixon's kind of hard to bet against. Simon pagina is also, like I said, he's really fast and he's got quite a bit of experience here. And then the thing that I, I really like about Rossi at a track like Toronto, um, we first saw him have success here after winning the Indy 500 in 2016. It was kind of the first race after Indy that he showed a lot of speed, uh, and this track really suits suits his driving style. It like caters to people who are aggressive but also not over aggressive. And I think uh, Rossi looks for opportunities that others don't, and he makes those passes. And I think, you know, if if you have a guy like Sean Dixon, if he's, if he's going to win, he's going to win mostly on just racing clean and, and not worrying too much about the others. But Rossi's going to probably be a little bit more aggressive, amp that up, and, and have a good chance of winning, I think. All right, here's the test. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. Maybe we've got
6: this problem fixed now.
7: I think we're good to go. I, I am so
0: sorry about uh, all of this. So Tyson, a working people find your work your masterpieces, <laughs> sir.
7: Well, you can always go to Com to check out uh, what we've been doing. Uh, obviously got some good content. Uh, So far, I've been covering more so the Pinty series. Uh, If you are interested in the Canadian NASCAR series, that's NASCAR Pinty series. We got a a couple of pieces up on there. Uh, Alex Tagliani, I spoke with him yesterday about the new tire that uh, NASCAR is using. They've shifted away from Goodyear in the Pinty series to general tire, and it's made quite a bit of a difference. That's uh, one of the interesting things I've been working on later today. Uh, I'll be talking to Sage Karam about Uh, making his return to IndyCar street racing this weekend. So you can look for that uh, later this afternoon.
6: Tyson Lodzucker on pitroad.com joins us from the streets of Toronto, IndyCars up in Toronto uh, this week. Tyson, we appreciate you joining us. Have a good race weekend, sir. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thank you. Tyson uh, hobbling along with us With our uh, audio issues this morning I tell you, fun stuff, fun stuff We'll be right back with Tony Donahue Of the Tony D Podcast Going to jump into some NASCAR Was informed late last night That uh, Steve Wilson is sick And unable to join us uh, For um, uh, The the NASCAR segment So it's just going to be Tony and I, we'll be right right back here On the Balance Radio Network
5: Tonight
1: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
2: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
6: Welcome back to The Balance. Joining us now, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Oh, maybe we don't have Tony yet. (laughs) It's been one of those mornings, let me tell you. Well, we'll try to get a hold of Tony. Man, can I just go back to bed? I mean, literally, I just want to go back to bed. And try this all over again. So, <laughs> I, I think I've got the mic issue fixed now. So uh, we're efforting now to get a hold of Tony Donahue. I thought I had him there, but uh, uh, we, we didn't have him. But um, so we'll, we'll get we'll get him here in just a, a moment. We're going to talk some NASCAR here with Tony uh, as well, and you know. <laughs> Sorry about the audio issues, but, you know, hey, that's live radio for you. The show must go on. Uh, (laughs) And I tell you, I'm just – you know, I cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. It's just never been possible for me to do. Now, now we have Tony. Tony Donahue of – the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Good. How are we doing this morning? Oh man, I want to. It's one of those days you just want to go back to bed, and and like <laughs> not get back up. I, I mean, nothing was working this morning. We had audio issues. I and you know this from being in radio. Sometimes you just gotta you got a wing thing. So I was trying to do things through a cell phone, which sounded like crap. But I finally got the mic fixed. But it took the first segment to to get it fixed. And then I felt I had you on the line, and I didn't have you on the line. So, so it's amazing how one little thing can just disrupt everything. <laughs> you you, you so, know, I've, I've been there, as you know, many times. And
8: you think about, sure. like, okay, we we got we to react real quick. we got to move on. Um, but those things happen, and you just got to do what you
6: can do with what you got and just keep on trucking forward. That's right. Have you ever seen the movie Down Periscope? I am not. So it stars the the guy that used to play a Frasier on um, Cheers or whatever in his show, Frasier. But there's a – he's a captain of a uh, submarine. It's a comedy. And all the power goes out. All the communication goes out. And he's yelling at the communications guy, fix it, fix it. And so he's got one one finger and one hole and a toe in another hole, <laughs> and he goes here it goes and he, and he stuck them in there together. It like knocked him back on his back, but everything came back on. So it was one of it's one of those days. Well, it seems it's, like it's been one of those seasons. Of, go ahead. Yeah, I mean with radio,
8: like and 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 whenever there is anything that goes wrong, I mean people notice, but then it's just like, hey, there's nothing that we can do. We're trying to work through it, and I mean. Live remotes, sometimes you're trying to get microphones up. You know, there's just – everybody hears everything if you're on the radio. So we know how that goes. It happens.
4: Um,
8: you just you just put your head down,
6: you grind through it. There
8: you go. That's what we do.
6: Well, we're going to get into some uh, NBA talk, some craziness uh, with the NBA. But initially, what are your thoughts? Well, Paul George finally made it to L.A. How about that? Uh, but Kawhi and Paul George teaming up at the Lakers. I mean, we were on quiet Watch all week uh, last week, and now we've got this it's just craziness going on. But real quickly, your initial thoughts of quiet leaving Toronto for the Clippers.
8: Yeah, you know, you kind of waited around. You were waiting and waiting and waiting. Okay, when is he going to make it? When? Where is he going to go? You knew it was between the two L.A.s and Toronto. And then I don't know if we talked about this last week, but, you know, this, this past week – it became like O.J. Simpson watched. Like, oh, hey, here's his mm-hmm. here's his plane landing in Toronto. Oh, here's him driving downtown Toronto to meet with the Raptors. Okay, what's he going to do? And it was like they were being followed. And then for him to go to the Clippers, look, he obviously had talked to Paul George. He's obviously talked to other players and said, okay, can I get you to the Clippers? And Paul George wanted to go home. He's one of the go home since he was drafted by the Pacers here in 2010. I think we all knew that. But to put it together in a package like it did and get all those picks for Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City has hit has totally just hit the reset button and said, okay, we are going to get a bunch of picks and we are going to try to build for the future. But but Kawhi, Paul George in L.A., Patrick Beverly, people forget, is still there. They're a solid team. I think the West is totally up for grabs. And the monkey rush in the whole thing was, we've learned, what, 48 hours ago that Russell Westbrook's going to the Houston Rockets. So... It just I, – I think it's finally done. I think it's finally settled down, and we know everybody's going to be playing.
6: Um, but it's been the most crazy off-season for the NBA that I think I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> Certainly going to be fun to talk to. We'll get into that in a bit. Let's talk a little bit NASCAR. NASCAR had an exciting uh, week last weekend. Uh, I mean, even though they couldn't uh, quite get the race finished there in Daytona, I tell you what, how good was it for this kid from Indiana, Justin Haley, uh, who uh, wins – in a kind of a weird, bizarre sort of a way, and to backtrack one year at the Xfinity race, he won there at Daytona, but got disqualified because he he passed down in the double yellow line there, which is a big no-no, and so he was disqualified. Uh, then one year later in the Cup race, uh, due to that mammoth wreck that was caused by um, Austin Dillon and just wiping out the entire field, and then you had weathered, and then they just uh, pushed. Uh, them into the pit row and just kind of left them in the order that they were. That left Justin Haley in, in first uh, position. They tried a couple times to get him back out there and it was really a lightning issue and the, whenever there's lightning within eight miles of a track uh, NASCAR rules and regulations say we can't run the race. It doesn't matter if there's no rain on the track or not. So eventually the weather did not pan out and they called it a race. Justin uh, Haley wins. But what are your thoughts about a lot of action there in Daytona last weekend? I know the racing was great, Um, and
8: then you get past that second stage, and you knew that the race was official, and then you got to feel bad for Kurt Busch, do you not? I mean, you think about a guy that Mm -hmm. is trying his hardest to get into the chase, has not won a race this year, has ran pretty well in his first year at (laughs) Canassi. But, you know, (laughs) like you said, the lightning is coming, and the rain is there. We know that. But, like, they were getting ready to go back green. And he, Kurt Busch like, okay, we're not going to come in until we know it's going to go green. So NASCAR gives the one to go, and Kurt Busch is like, okay, we've got to come in. And then they get the one to go. Kurt Busch slides on a pit road. Then down the back stretch, lightning again. And, oh, Justin Haley, some guy who's not supposed to even be in the top 20, is all of a sudden leading. Uh, I thought that they would have called the race earlier had it been a Kurt Busch or a Jimmy Johnson in the lead. I think that NASCAR wanted everything that they they, they they took every moment that they could to make sure that, okay, can we get this race in? Can we not get this race in? And when they decided, when the reins picked up again, it was Justin Haley in the lead. So, great for that kid after finishing second the night before in the Xfinity race after, like you said, getting a win taken away from him last year at Daytona. Um, the 20-year-old from Winnemac Indiana, uh, gets his first career NASCAR win, and, Look, it doesn't matter how you do it. it. Doesn't matter if you deserve it or not, or if you're the best car or not. When you get a NASCAR win, you're always going to be a winner in NASCAR, and that was that was big for the 20 year olds.
6: Well, you know, IndyCar driver Noah is from the same town as uh, as uh, Justin uh, Haley Winamac, Did you know that? What, I mean, you Noah's think about great. all
8: these guys, and, all these guys in sprint cars. Um, I think Noah's from Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, is he? Okay, but, I thought he was from okay. or Vegas. No, no. Noah, yeah, Noah's from Vegas. But okay, you think about these guys that move here, kind of, kind of the Jeff Gordon route. Hey, we you know we live out west, but we need to get into an open wheel car. And then you moved Indianapolis, or you moved somewhere in Indiana, and you run those those sprint cars those short tracks like Justin Haley has, and that's it, it, it's a springboard to the trucks, to Xfinity, and to the NASCAR Cup Series.
6: Let's get into the the race down in Kentucky. Uh, Night races this week. Uh, Last night, it was the Xfinity race. Uh, uh, Custer, Bell, Reddick, and Annette round out the top four, uh, followed by – and then I believe Justin Haley was in 10th yesterday, uh, was running 27th. Uh, But the Xfinity – takeaways from the Xfinity race, we'll get into the uh, NASCAR Monster Cup race tonight. Yeah, I think it's the, the,
8: the cool part is Daniel Suarez on the pole and a guy who, you know, obviously is not from America. He's from Mexican nationality. You can have your thoughts on that all you want. But Stuart Haas Racing hasn't won a race this year. They're finally fast to Kentucky. You're kind of waiting for Kevin Harvick. You're kind of waiting for Clint Boyer to knock down that door and get a victory. Uh, and We'll see if Stuart Haas Racing will be able to do that tonight in Kentucky because they're desperate for a win because you've got to get a win to get in because you got the top 16, Jimmy Johnson's right there. You've got guys that um, haven't won a race this year. And they have to be right there. And there's going to be so much strategy that's going on this summer for drivers trying to get that win this year to
6: punch their ticket into the
8: quote-unquote playoffs.
6: Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Kentucky track uh, down there. Uh, it's a hot track. It's a fast track. It's a huge oval. It's a very uh, – one of those tracks where we're going to see some high speeds. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember if it's a plate racer or not, but it certainly is one that's going to attribute a lot to high speeds, and we're gonna, we've got some hot temperatures down there, so even though it's going to be in the evening, so we could see a lot of action and possible melee on the track tonight.
0: The
8: cool thing about Kentucky and what they did was they kind of added the second groove by laying down that, I forget what it's called, P1 or something, and it's, it, it's a sticky substance that goes around the racetrack. To give more grip, which in turn makes it easy for drivers to use that second and third lane because this was a one-groove racetrack for so long and they add this. It's a sticky substance that gives drivers more grip and they're going to see drivers like Kyle Larson especially go to the top and try to make that second and third groove work. So It's a bumpy racetrack. It, it, it's very tough on the drivers because it's so bumpy it hasn't been repaved since they started racing there back in two thousand, and we'll see what, we'll see what these drivers can do because there's going to be a second and third lane option tonight, which we really haven't seen over the last two or three races at Kentucky.
6: well, we're absolutely good to see see what happens and let's see how how well Chevy does. If you could look at all the uh, Chevy drivers last week in Daytona, they had a strategy, and it was uh, basically it, it dominated for the biggest part of the race. Um, how strong is chevy as as opposed to Ford and Toyota? How strong is Chevy this year in the series? It looks like they're pretty strong, and they're they're going to be a dominant force to to deal with
8: Well, I think the dominant force you
6: got to look at is Joe
8: Gibbs racing and team Pinsky you know I to chase Elliott winning once, and then obviously Justin Haley last week in a fluke scenario you look at toyota and Ford being dominant now what chevy did last week was perfect they 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 played it right they got everybody together they had five or six drafting partners um i think i think we're going to see a lot of teams flex their muscle tonight and kind of play that strategy because chevy needs to win they only have, chevy only has one driver right now inside of the playoffs so that has won a race so you got to get guys like kyle larson and kurt bush or in chevy's towards the front and try to get them a win so that you know that they are for sure locked into the playoffs because outside of Chase Elliott, I mean, William Byron needs a win. Jimmy Johnson needs a win. Um, Alex Bowman got a win in Chicagoland and showed that Chevy can perform on those mile-and-a-half tracks. So you're right. The mile-and-a-half courses have been good for Chevys. They just need another driver to win so they can have at least three guaranteed entries into the playoffs.
6: Yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll see what, what what happens. Let's kind of go through the top 10 uh, drivers here as they stand in, in uh, standings currently. Joey Logano, uh, obviously in a, in a Ford there, but what are your thoughts the 22 to Joey Logano? <laughs>
8: it's always hard to not look at Joey Logano and say, okay, I want this guy to win. I'm not the biggest fan of Joey Logano, but he's going to do everything he can to win. He's one of the top drivers in NASCAR right now. And Team Penske as a whole, with Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano have wins this year and they're trying to get Ryan Blaney towards the front and Blaney's had some good runs he was decent at Chicagoland two weeks ago so I think if you're Ford and your team Pinsky and Joey Logano you obviously want to win first comes first but you want to get Ryan Blaney punched into that playoff scenario as well now he's in right now in that top 16 in points but as you know a win cements and no you know it kind of takes the pressure off for the rest of the summer we know that we are going to be in the playoffs if we get that win. So look for Ryan Blaney to move up towards the front, and uh, hopefully with Team Penske and being a team, uh, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski will help him get to the front and stay up front.
6: Well, Kyle Busch sets a number two. Obviously a different story than his brother. Uh, his, his brother, Kurt, who's not in the playoffs right now, but Kyle Busch is setting in number two. What are your thoughts? Well,
8: the thing with Kurt Bush is, you know, That team, that team is Ganassi as a whole. You thought would take that step forward this year with Kurt Busch in um, that number one car and Jamie McMurray out. but Kyle Larson's kind of struggled. He hasn't been the Kyle Larson we've seen. Kurt Busch has been very consistent. Um, I think he's got a couple runner-up finishes. But if you're Ganassi and the rumors are that you're going to close your doors at the end of the 2019 season, you want to get a win to say, look, we're not closing doors. We've got great sponsors and Monster Energy and Global Poker and McDonald's and Credit One Bank for Kyle Larson. We're not closing our doors. We want to get that win. Look, we got that win in Kentucky. We are ready for the playoffs. If Larson wins, the mindset's going to be, okay, Larson is been locked in. Let's get Kurt Bush locked in. So um, look for Chip Ganassi Racing to be desperate
6: over the next six, seven races to find themselves in the victory lane. Another desperate driver who really has to get some stuff put together and he's not in the playoffs is Kevin Harvick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the thing with Kevin
8: is, like, you, if you were just, let's say you were in a coma and you woke up on, you know, July 12th and you said, hey, what's going on in NASCAR, you would probably think, oh, well, Kyle Busch has the win. Oh, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Martin Chuck Jr. has won. So has Kevin Harvick. But wait, not so fast. Kevin Harvick hasn't won a race this year. Neither has Stuart Haas racing. I'm surprised by this. Harvick's better than what they're showing. And these mile-and-a-half tracks where Kevin Harvick is so good on, the Chicago lands, the Kansas, and the Kentuckys of the world, um, I, would be, I would be stunned if Kevin Harvick wasn't in the running for a win tonight. Um, but I'm stunned
6: that he hasn't won
8: so far this year.
6: Oh, I am too. And it really is kind of a weird bizarre thing. And yet he's not had a one, a win, but he sits a third in point standing. So uh, go figure. You, you can still get points without a win, but uh, without a win, it's going to be very hard to get into the playoffs. And obviously there's no playoffs, no championship. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Brad Kolaski in his number two Ford car uh, in the playoffs, pretty solid. And uh, also another good driver down there at Chicago.
8: Yeah, um, you just – you think about – there's so many good drivers
6: on these mile-and-a-half tracks that
8: you you kind of look at the race and you think, okay, this guy can win, this guy can, this guy can win. Obviously, Brad Keselowski is always right there. He's been so good at Kentucky. Um, barring any unforeseen circumstances, you know, loose wheel on pit road, pit road speeding penalty, uh, getting up in somebody else's mess, I expect Brad Keselowski to be up towards the front tonight.
6: We'll see what happens to- – with him and uh, just a couple more, we'll just kind of round it, round it out here. we got uh, Martin Shrex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, and Eric Armaola uh, all in the, in the top ten there. What are your thoughts? Well, Alex Bowman got
8: that into the top ten by grabbing that win at Chicagoland. And you look at a lot of drivers, like Alex Bowman's a perfect example. He started on a small team. He moved his way up and then got that chance when Dale Earnhardt Jr. had those head issues to show that he could perform. And he ran really well at Phoenix. He had a second-place finish back in 2017. And then you think you look, you look forward, you're like, okay, when's Alex Bowman going to win a race? When's a guy like William Byron going to win a race? And then all of a sudden, it all came together for Alex Bowman at the perfect timing at Chicagoland because you had Dale Jr. in the booth for the first time. That used to be his car. Um, you heard the rumors that nationwide insurance was no longer going to come back and sponsor. You go out and win a race. Now you can go to sponsors and say, we won a race. We were in the playoffs. We can get this done on a weekly basis. Come sponsor us. Um, so Alex Bowman locked in. Eric Almarole is a guy just like hey, Kevin Harvick, just like Clint Boyer, and Daniel Suarez at Seward, Seward Haas Racing, where you're almost like, you're almost thinking like, okay, like it's a brain bender. Like, okay, what what is this team doing? Um, to win races because they're trying every week. They just haven't had the speed. They were fast yesterday in both practices, fast and qualifying. I would be shocked if a Stewart Hot Racing uh, if a Stewart Hot Racing car was not in contention for the win tonight.
6: We've been talking with Tony Donahue of uh, the Tony D Podcast. Tony, uh, we're going to jump into some uh, uh, NBA talk here in just a minute after the break. But what do you got working on there at the Tony D Podcast? And where can people find it and listen to it? Yeah, if you go to uh, Anchor Podcast
8: or iTunes, Spotify, just search the Tony D Podcast. Um, I had an all-indy car one, and my thoughts on the Pacers earlier this week and the moves that they made, which, as you know, became official because the moratorium was over, um, and just the welcoming that Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. Warren got and just the moves that this team has made to to, to better themselves throughout the offseason.
6: We'll be right back. we are talking with Tony Donahue. We're going to get into some NBA, some crazy talk with NBA, a lot of chest bumping, a lot of ball hogging. We'll see what's going to happen right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917 is our digits. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
2: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals, see live educational shows, feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
6: All right, we're back. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus L. Presidente. 917 is our digits. One hour in the can. Thanks to Tyson Lautenshager on pitroad.com. Joining us from Toronto, IndyCar in Toronto, breaking down the Toronto race in the streets of Toronto. And Joining us also is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, talking to NASCAR NBA. Tony, welcome back. Didn't get your thoughts on the IndyCar race there in Toronto. Any, any, uh, Thoughts or chimes, chimes in that you'd like to give us on the IndyCar race in Toronto? Um,
8: I, I was talking about this earlier in my podcast. You know, everybody's talking about how great this championship race is, and it is. You've got two Americans at the front with Joseph Newgarden and Alexander Rossi, but the rookie battle, the rookie battle this year has been so intense. You know, I thought last year was the best IndyCar field we we have seen with, with Robert Wickens um, as a rookie, but. You look at this year, Colton Herta has a win, has a pull, and he's fourth. He's dead last of the four rookie drivers in points. You've got Felix Rosenquist, who was top five in the practice session yesterday, um, leading the points. Santino Ferrucci is right there, Marcus Erickson, and then Colton Herta. So you've got two different races heading into the streets of Toronto this week. You've got the championship race, which is really heating up. But that rookie race is something to keep your eye on, too, because the four rookies, and although they're rookie in name, and Colton Hurt is 19 years old, but Marcus Erickson, Felix Rosenquist have a lot of experience in Formula One cars. And Santino Ferrucci has been a guy that, you know, we weren't sure if he was going to be full-time in that 19 car. They put him in full-time. He's ran well. He ran well at the Indianapolis 500 with a top-10 finish and scoring Rookie of the Year honors. Um, the rookie battle is just as intense and just as exciting as what we see uh, in the championship battle up front.
6: Well, absolutely. We'll be curious to see who gets that that rookie of the year. I know uh, I've talked about it with some other people on the show here. You know, it's it's a battle, that's for sure. You know, let's talk a little bit. I was just talking to uh, uh, Tyson, who's up in Toronto, and he's like, you know, uh, for the longest time, James Hinchcliffe was the the favorite hometown driver here, but here recently over the last couple of months, it's been Robert Wickens. You know, he's not been in a race car and I guess it was just, he did a press conference yesterday there, but he was able to get in a car, especially a uh, fitted car just for uh, Robert. If you remember, it's the same kind of car that, uh, uh, sam schmidt's been able to get out on the track with and it's uh, put together by arrow uh what are your thoughts about that how cool is that? And it's, you know obviously james Hinchcliffe knows what it's like uh for his teammate to go through he went through something very similar and uh both escaped death and henscliffe uh, was back on the track and i wish the best from robert wickens but it was certainly a good positive sign to see him out there on the track in, in toronto yesterday
8: yeah, really cool for Robert Wickens um, to get out, like you said, in his home country. And you obviously never want to, um, you never want to see anybody get injured. You never want to see anybody have to go through rehab. But I thought, okay, if this was going to happen and you know he was going to be injured, it's it's a, it's a good thing and a blessing in disguise that he's with Arrow Schmidt Peterson Motorsports because Sam Schmidt, a paraplegic, has been through this type of thing. And you look at what. The rehab that he's done and being able to drive that car and the electronics that Arrow has done, um, it was cool to see yesterday. Robert Wickens continues to be an inspiration uh, for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and hopefully, one day we
6: see him back. We see him back in the cockpit of a competitive race car. And that would be awesome, and it would be awesome to see him back at the Indianapolis 500, and so we certainly wish him the best in recovery. Toronto in the news again, big news, part of the uh, chess match that has been known as the NBA free agency that has just kind of just been, uh, you want to say craziness? I, I don't know. If you could put one one word de- uh, defining the 2019 NBA free agency, Tony, what would it be? Uh, wild. Um, crazy uh,
8: nobody expected to see a lot of what we've seen nobody thought that these moves are going to happen and i thought the last domino to fall the last time we talked was all right well, once Kawhi gets to where Kawhi needs to go um then we'll know and then once Kawhi got to where he needed to go i thought okay everything's fine it's balanced and then all of a sudden these rumors started happening with you know Russell Westbrook's not happy in Oklahoma City. Obviously, Paul George wasn't. Obviously, those two had talked to say, okay, well, we're, neither of us are happy here. Can we move? And then we see Paul George get traded and move to the Clippers to play with Kawhi Leonard. And now we've seen that Russell Westbrook has gone to the Rockets. So, I don't ever remember seeing this much movement in NBA free agency. It's been wild. It's been crazy. And it's been fun.
6: Well, it certainly has been, and it's it's exploded since the beginning of June 30th. Last week, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant uh, teamed up in Brooklyn, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, as you mentioned, teamed up with the Lakers. Uh, Jimmy Butler left Philadelphia for Miami, and the Knicks and the Lakers all struck out, and let's talk a little bit about the Knicks. Uh, You would think the Knicks could do something, but it was their crosstown rival, if you will, Brooklyn, that seemed to uh, uh, land the gold mine in the 2019 um, free agency. What's going on with the Knicks? Nobody wants to be a Nick. I remember a time, you know, you probably do too, uh, back during the Reggie Miller years, of course, but every player wanted to be a New York Knick. What has happened with the Knicks? What has made them such a non-destination place to go? And what has made it work for Brooklyn as opposed to not for the Knicks? I think
8: ownership has really been the reason why the Knicks haven't been a free agent destination and they haven't developed talent. The thing with the Nets was, is you remember that trade with the Celtics that, you know, they moved, they got Kevin Garnett, whatever, everybody was moving around. Um, but they built for the future and they've done a good job of developing talent. Like Rondé Jefferson, even though he's not there anymore, is a, was a decent player that kind of developed, um, when D'Angelo Russell got there, he was kind of rough and raw around the edges, and they developed him. They played fun basketball. Uh, the Barclays the Barclay Center is a great place to play basketball, and the Nets were have always been moving forward. Where it seems like the Knicks have always been trying to go after those big name free agents, but haven't been able to land them. And then you heard the report that oh, the Knicks were not interested in Kevin Garnett because, or excuse me, Kevin Durant because of his injuries. Well, that's, they're thinking, well, great. Okay. Well we can give you the New York lifestyle and we'll wait out your injury and we'll get Kyrie Irving. So I think the Knicks management almost shoots themselves in the foot when it comes to free agency.
6: Well, let's kind of go through some of these uh, top billers, if you will, look at it uh, uh, from maybe the business aspect or the team aspect of it. Obviously the biggest one is why Leonard leaving uh, the the Raptors. He was a, uh, he, he was the Raptors for four years, 142 million, um, Leonard won a championship in Toronto and then uh, got out of town. Leonard joined the Clippers, enticing the team to trade for Paul George in the process. And it's very stunning move. Remember Paul George very well here in Indianapolis. And he was not liked very much when he uh, went to Oklahoma, wanted to make it very clear. He didn't want to be the Pacers also made it very clear that because of his brand, he wanted to be in LA. It seemed though he had found a spot, a niche, if you will, at Oklahoma city and was really kind of playing, uh, uh, MVP-style basketball in Oklahoma City. So it tells me that the Clippers were had an, an enticing enough offer uh, to Oklahoma City uh, to, to trade for them. And Paul George does it again, ups and moves, and uh, Oklahoma City fans are left scratching their heads like, why doesn't anybody want to play here
0: with us?
8: The thing with Paul George is, is he wanted the trade. And, look, the guy wanted to go back to L.A. where he's from. So, I get that. I understand that. And I respect that. But, once again, Paul George stepping up to the plate and demanding a trade because that's what Paul George does. If he's not happy, he thinks that he is good enough to be the guy. And he finally had an MVP caliber season. But, Paul George will always be a Robin. And I've said this since he left the Pacers. Paul George for the rest of his career, will be the second-best player on his team. There will always be somebody else. First, it was Russell Westbrook who was better than him. Now it'll be Kawhi Leonard. So Paul George um, demands a trade, just like he did here in Indiana, just like he did for the Pacers, demands a trade, goes to L.A. He wanted to be home. I totally get that. But no matter what, Paul George will always be the second-best player on his roster at all times because that's how Paul George – has decided to be in the league. And is it right? I don't think so. Is it wrong? It's also not wrong. But um, I think Paul George is very weak-minded. I think Paul George is a guy that I wouldn't want on my basketball team. And we'll see what he does in L.A. under Kawhi Leonard. Um, But I don't think that the Clippers are better than what the Toronto Raptors were last year. And the West is better than what it was last year. So it's
6: going to be tough for both L.A. teams to make it to the NBA Finals this year. Well, we look at Kyle uh, Irving uh, leaving the Celtics and we and we look at Edwards and we and we look at Romeo uh, both from Indiana Colleges joining the Boston Celtics. Does this give them a unique opportunity to shine? Was Kyrie Irving kind of a cancer in Boston? Obviously, he signed a four-year, $142 million deal uh, with the Nets, and, and as you just mentioned, uh, brought Kevin Durant around, and they're okay with him sticking out an entire season. So, you know, it's going to be uh, Irving's team there in in, um, uh, in Brooklyn, but uh, I think it gives some unique opportunities uh, to the, the, the rookies there in Boston, both from Indiana colleges. Yeah, we'll see.
8: Um, you know, you, you've got a lot of young talent there. you got Jason Tatum. you got Kemba Walker. you got to play behind. But I think that signing Carson Edwards w- w- was big for the Purdue kid and thinking, okay, I can play in the NBA. The Celtics want me here. I can learn, hopefully, behind Kemba Walker, behind one of the best basketball minds in Brad Stevens, and be a legit basketball player. Um, Carson Edwards has played really well in the summer league. Um, looking forward to see what he does in the NBA. I think Boston, however, certainly took three to four steps back with losing Kawhi Leonard, who, or excuse me, losing Kyrie Irving, who didn't seem to want to be there, and by losing Al Horford. Al Horford, I thought, was the glue that kind of kept them together, that a guy that can get you a rebound or go get you a bucket whenever you needed. Um, so I think that they're losing a lot more in Al Horford than just a basketball player, and we'll see what the Celtics can do this year. Um, but honestly, I don't expect them to be a top three or four seed um, in the Eastern Conference. We'll see what they can do. We'll see how
6: they can adjust uh, with all the movement that's going on in free agency. Well, we also uh, saw another uh, big move uh, this during the free agency, and that's Jimmy Butler uh, going over to the Miami Heat. 2018-19, uh, he played for the Timberwolves and the 76ers. Four years, $142 million. Butler was part of a four-team sign-and-trade going on from the 76ers to the Heat. In Miami, he'll have a chance to be a clear-cut best player and lead the Heat back to the playoffs. You buying that?
8: Man, you know, you thought that maybe more free agents would would follow him to Miami. Obviously, it's more of a destination city than it is a basketball city. Um, and then there was rumors that Russell Westbrook was going to end up there, and then he didn't. He obviously ends up in Houston. Um, I like I, I like Jimmy Butler, but I don't think Jimmy Butler is that player that gets you over the hump without anybody else. I mean, Hassan Whiteside's gone. Um, Dragic is eh. So I don't expect the Heat to be contenders this year, and I think Jimmy Butler's probably sitting down there thinking, well, I thought if I moved to Miami, we would get a few more free agents and people would – would want to come down and play and play here because it's such a great city
6: to obviously live in, and that didn't happen. So my expectations are very, very low for the Miami Heat this year. We'll see what happens. You know, we were just talking about Boston and the young players and a, a lot of things. One of the guys that could come in and be a plug-and-play guard that can really help get this team up and going after uh, Irving uh, leaves, and, and that's Kemba Walker to the Boston Celtics. Uh, uh, he signed with them. What are your thoughts?
8: Yeah, the thing with Kemba was is you know he's a good player, but can he win? And and in Charlotte, he proved that he can't win. Um, so you hope that Brad Stevens can help him take that next step. And, um, you know, I just – I don't know with Kemba because he's, he's a great basketball player. Sometimes he can be inconsistent, and you just hope that he can take that next step in maturity with Brad Stevens, but I, I just – I don't see – Boston being as good as they are, the last couple of years with Kim Walker at point guard compared to having Kyrie or Kyrie Irving. So um, we'll see what happens, but I don't expect Boston to take a step forward with Kim Walker.
6: So the Golden State Warriors, uh, they uh, lost and picked up, if you will. They they picked up Clay Thompson and obviously lost Kevin Durant, uh, who signed. Uh, uh, Klay Thompson signed with the, the the Golden State Warriors but he's got injury prone and he he tore his, his ACL uh in, during the finals but uh, it looks like Golden State's still going to take a chance on him.
8: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you, you know, you draft Klay Thompson, you still got Seth Curry. Seth Curry's the the longest NBA tenured player that was, that's on a team that he was drafted by. And then you look at Klay Thompson, yeah, that injury was like terrible because they came at the worst time as you know like in the NBA finals right after Kevin Durant was injured and then I guess re-injured I like Clay Thompson a lot Uh, he's a great shooter and I didn't think Golden State was going to let him get away to another contender or another team just how well him and Steph have been what they brought to that city um, and how I mean it's one of the best backcourts we've ever seen and If you're Golden State, even though those guys are are getting upward towards 30 years old, what they've done for you, what they've brought to you, and still what they can bring uh, was enticing enough to bring him back. I don't think the Golden State Warriors had any other option but to bring Clay Thompson back.
6: You know, over the last couple of months or so, year or so, we've heard from the Philadelphia 76ers, trust the process, trust the process. Well, their process is to put a lot of eggs in one basket uh, that's being held by Tobias Tobias Harris. Uh, They've made a lot of moves to get him in in their camp, and they certainly feel like he's got the missing link to get them to the NBA Finals in the East. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers apparently gave him $180 million, and uh, gave up a huge midseason trade uh, to get Harris. So, Tobias is, is the man in Philly.
8: Well, it's a good
6: problem to have when you
8: know you're going to lose Jimmy Butler like they did and have to, a guy like Tobias Harris who's capable of filling that void. Now, is he, is, is he Butler? No, but he's a great player. all alongside Embiid. To go alongside of now Al Horford, who is a veteran leader that can lead that team and show those guys what it's like to win in the playoffs and to be um, mature in the process, quote-unquote. And then you've also got Ben Simmons, who's played well. Um, That's a good team. I think you look at the East. I I think Philadelphia is going to be one of those top three teams. I think Milwaukee's a top-two team. Mm -hmm. That's kind of up in the air. We'll see what the Raptors do without Kawhi Leonard. Can Pascal Siakam take that next step? Can the Pacers contend? Can the Pacers get Victor Oladipo back by Christmas or by the end of January and get him into form and be a playoff contender? I think they can. Miami is going to be okay. Detroit's made some moves to make them okay. Uh, You've got – and then you've got Brooklyn, obviously, Kawhi, or Kyrie Irving going to be a playoffs. And they get into the playoffs, but they're not going to have Durant this year. Um, so I think the East from about three to eight is, is all up for grabs.
6: Well, one, would we could say that Milwaukee right now is probably – the Milwaukee Bucks is probably the best – Going into the regular season uh, in the East, so certainly they they did their part as well as far as uh, signing Chris Middleton uh, to five years, one hundred seventy-eight million dollars, and uh, they, the Bucks had a limited ability to replace Middleton if he's left, uh, but um, but they have uh, reportedly decided to uh, pull out the old checkbook per se. Yeah, and that's
8: exactly what happened, and 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 that's all good because. You look at a guy like him, and you think, okay, with the Bucks situation, they had to pay two guys, Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon. Well, Chris Middleton's been been great for them. It's been a piece to go alongside of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was an all-star last year and a player that they needed and did not want to get away, so they re-signed him, like you said, opened the checkbook, and that kind of opened up a possibility of a restricted free agent like Malcolm Brogdon walking and getting a better contract like he did here in the Pacers. So um, I like Chris Middleton, and I'm, I'm glad he signed there because it kind of opened it up for the Pacers to be able to sign Malcolm Brogdon with Middleton signing in Milwaukee. So uh, was was glad to see that.
6: You know, we haven't had a chance to really talk about the Pacers yet today. Uh, I know we kind of talked offline. I talked with a couple other people, but I think we're very happy with what uh, Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers did in the free agency this year. I'm really excited about the moves
8: on paper. um, It looks to be everything that the Pacers needed to do. Um, I think the biggest dodge bullet was actually not getting Ricky Rubio and was a guy that I didn't think would – would fit with the Pacers was a guy that they needed to go out and spend money on. And they obviously made a phone call to the Bucs, tried to work something out. The Bucs said, okay, we'll take, you know, those, those assets that you got. You know, they, they, they earned, they made moves this, this draft to get those two, those two draft picks. And they've made moves to uh, be able to acquire assets to obviously put forward and assign Malcolm Brogdon. I thought that was huge. Jeremy Lambs, the guy that I know can, can continue to grow, and can shoot the basketball. Um, Malcolm Brogdon was first in the NBA last year in free throw percentage, while Jeremy Lamb was sixth. And you look at all the the heartbreak and the rimmed-out free throws that the Pacers have had to live through the last couple of years with Bogey, with guys like Darren Collison, and even back to the George Hill area. So now you have two great free throw shooters. You have two guys that can grow. And adapt and adjust to playing basketball with Victor Oladipo. Um, so I think the Pacers are set up for the near future, and I like it.
6: What do you think the Pacers fit in uh, when you with a group of really good teams that are that we've talked about the trades, we've talked about some of the things that have happened with the Sixers and the and the Nets and the Bucks and the Celtics. Where do the Pacers fit into that mix? Are they still a top five team in the East? I think so. I think they could contend for the top
8: three seed and barring any kind of injuries uh from other teams and and for the Pacers they could be a top three team I think Milwaukee and Philadelphia are your top two and I think I think the Nets are still going to be a good team as you plug in Kyrie Irving instead of Angela Russell so I think the Pacers could be in that upper you know top four seeds in the Eastern Conference they just have to stay healthy and be able to play good
6: basketball. So we've seen some uh, – during the free agencies. we've seen some people team up. For example, we talked about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Not necessarily that this is one of those situations where they both like to have a ball. But let's say that we have some scenarios, which we saw pan out, where both uh, team, both players uh, that teamed up on a new team are used to being ball hogs. Who's the biggest ball hog uh, matchup in the 2019 season in – are they going to be able to play together? I think so. Um, I think Durant, you know, you, you you
8: saw when he went to the Warriors, you were like, okay, wh- where are the shots going to come from? What's he going to do? How is he going to adapt to Steph Curry's team and what Steph Curry has built there? But I think with the Nets, I mean, I think Kevin Durant is so good at creating his own shot and hitting that outside jumper and that Kawhi Leonard will be able to hit him. And or I keep saying Kawhi. Kyrie Irving will be able to to hit him and find him in spots, um, so I think there'll be plenty of shots for those guys. Um, and then you, you've got a you've got a lot of role players with the Nets, like like a Joe Harris, guys that don't really need the ball in their hands, but when you need that bucket, they can get it for you. Um, so I, I think they'll be just fine. And I think
6: we have the most balanced NBA we've probably seen in the last twenty years. Let's talk about the Lakers. Uh, LeBron James has his team at the Lakers. He has his Space Jam. He has the Lakers right where he wants them. Um, it, it, there's a lot of hope and expectations, if you will, uh, for the Lakers to, to get to a championship, especially with what the apparent demise of the Golden State Warriors are. So the Lakers are really going in with some high hopes and expectations that they've made the right moves with the right people. But the guy on the outside that's going to try to control this uh herd of cats, if you will, is a guy we know very well, Frank Vogel. And I think Frank Vogel is a great coach. I really do. And I think that he did good with the Pacers. And I think he has an opportunity to do well with the Lakers. However, I don't know that the Lakers are going to give him the opportunity. I feel like almost Frank Vogel is a figurehead with the Lakers right now. Just we need we need to have a coach. Frank, you're it. Stay yeah, in the lane. Uh... <laughs> You
8: know, it, it's like, okay, this guy will be the the coach of the Lakers as long as LeBron James wants him to. And you hope that that's longer than just one year. But um, at the end of the day, like, this is LeBron James's team. He's going to dictate who's the coach, and he's going to dictate how things work. But, hey, let's go get Frank Vogel, a guy who we think is a good coach, but we will keep to himself, and we'll – Adjust go going what lebron james has to say um but how many times last year and how many times in lebron james's career have we seen him just kind of checked out during a uh, a timeout not listening to the coach kind of doing his own thing so hey frank like you said we need a coach so why don't you go over here and coach we'll pay you a lot and whenever lebron wants you out we're going to get you out out of here but we'll pay you some money on the along the way well, I guess
6: if you gotta have a job for job security, you know we used to joke about uh, the backup quarterback for Peyton Manning being the the best job in the NFL. So I guess if you're gonna get paid and and be a figurehead and you're okay with it, hey, LA is where people go to act. So maybe he can act like a coach and get paid some good money and and uh, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens.
5: What who was the
6: biggest loser in the in the uh, in the 2019 free agency draft? Did you say it was the Knicks? Because they didn't do anything.
8: Yeah, I mean, the Knicks, they, I mean, they've got, what they did is they went out and got role players. I think Julius Randle's a starter, but guys like Garrett Temple, guys that, um, you know, are role players. So you have to think that. Um, I think, honestly, Toronto is a loser by losing Kawhi Leonard. And they, obviously not their fault. They brought them to him there for one year. They made a trade for him. They wanted to win a championship. He brought a championship to Canada. He brought a championship to the Raptors, and they will always love him for that. But at the end of the day, you lost your best player, and you didn't grab anybody else or any other asset um, to get better. So I think Toronto is a loser in free agency, which I would probably take losing and being a loser in free agency. I would probably take that as a uh, – you know, proper precaution for being the NBA champions, but they did not get better this offseason. So um, I think Toronto has got be, to be listed in that, um, in that group as well.
6: You know, we, we kind of uh, touched a little bit on the Houston Rockets, but we really haven't talked much about them in the free agency. Obviously, there were some, some moves there. Um, the Houston Rockets certainly feel like they can be a very good team in the West. I would certainly think that they're one of the top four teams in the West. And and as we saw at the end of of last year, uh, the Houston Rockets uh, have what it takes to go the distance. Uh, Talk with us about the Houston Rockets 2019 free agency. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, how huge was
8: that? You know, they were kind of making moves. Um, They were were making moves, and you're like, okay, the Rockets are going to get a little bit better. Um, how are they going to make James Harden happy? You know, what's the rumors? We heard that him and CP three are not getting along. And then, uh, the owner of the Rockets came out and said, we're not going to get rid of Chris Paul, him and him and him and Harden don't have any beef. They're all good. And then all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're trading, uh, CP three away and getting Russell Westbrook. So I really like the moves that the Rockets did. I think Eric Gordon, who's been there for a while, um, is is a good piece that they need Clint capella is a is a great center that is going to continue to grow and has a lot of potential and we'll see what the rockets can do i'm really looking forward to seeing how james Harden, and russell westbrook uh, can can control the backcourt not gonna be a lot of defense there but there's certainly gonna be a lot of scoring
6: Joining us now is Mo for the BS uh, Sports Show. Mo, thanks for taking a few minutes to, to join us. I know uh, you've got your own thing going on, uh, but I appreciate you taking some time to join us. Uh, myself and Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast talking some NBA uh, free agency. Uh, certainly, we've, we have we we've went through a lot of the the uh, top uh, chest pounders, if you will, and what a crazy season it's been. But go ahead and give us your thoughts, Mo. First of all, happy Saturday to you. But give us uh, your thoughts on uh, the crazy world of the NBA over the last few weeks?
9: Well, I think what we've learned is that uh, free agency is never really going to be kind to the smaller market teams, as we've seen uh, Oklahoma City just and their two stars. Uh, we've seen guys move from uh, from what can be perceived as smaller markets to, to bigger markets. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that at some point I think that uh, Rob Manfred is going to look at. I, I don't know how you fix it, but – it's uh it's definitely not kind to the small market teams, that's for sure when it comes to big name players and superstars and free agency. Tony, you know,
6: uh Mo just mentioned that as well. We've talked about it before and that's, you know, these teams that call themselves uh quote air quotes super teams and as long as the NBA uh, allows that to happen, it's going to to continue to happen. I I'm I'm okay with a guy going to make their money wherever they can make their money at. I'm all I'm all about making their money. If if you can make it make it, but do you think that there is some sort of an unfair, uh, advantage to big market teams who are able to pay big money and really develop these super teams and not really give uh, small market teams a chance to get into the championship for, for lack of better words.
8: Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about what the Pacers did. They went out and got the best guy that they could Malcolm Brogdon. And that's cool for here, but it's not a huge splash in NBA waters. Um, I think that they've talked about the NBA getting together and discussing, you know, how teams do free agency. And it's like Kevin Pritchard said, he couldn't even get a, he couldn't even get an interview with a guy like Tobias Harris. He couldn't even get an interview with some of these big name players to, you know, throw their pitch out there and why that player should come to the Pacers. So, um, you know, there is great balance in the NBA right now, but, superstars are going to want to team up with other superstars and want to get, and they're going to want to play in these major markets so unless the nba does something about that it's never going to change
6: you know i i'm all for building your brand and being in the city we can build your brand new york miami uh la but this is 2019 you could build your brand anywhere i mean anywhere you don't have to be in that with the money that these guys make they could be uh in and on a plane <laughs> Every single day, if they need to go somewhere in L.A. to do something, I don't understand why the L.A., like L.A., for example, has to be where you go to build your brand. I have to be in L.A. to build my brand. If you got a good enough team behind you on building your brand and you've got some good endorsements, you could build your brand in whatever city you play in.
9: Yeah, but let's be honest. You know, you weren't seeing the Pacers on a lot of prime time basketball games. You weren't seeing – uh, you know the the Pistons on a lot of prime time basketball games. Even with Anthony Davis, you weren't seeing New Orleans a lot uh, on, on prime time. You will now, uh, after all the moves they made and with Zion Williamson. But you know, guys figure that they need TV time and they need exposure to to build their brand. And when you're in LA, where they already do most of the stuff, where they do the commercials and where they cast for the movies, it's easier to do when you're already in LA. You know, the big markets produce uh, produce stars. Uh, you know, it, it's. It's easier, you're right, to, to build a brand being in a smaller market. But let's be honest, it's uh, unless you're teaming up with another guy uh, or another two guys to be on national TV all the time and to be the talk of the NBA, it's uh, it, it's hard to become that uh, that upper echelon superstar. So, you know, guys figure we've got to be in a big media market to, and be on TV a lot in order to, to build that brand. So, uh, that's what guys have done, they've they've migrated again to the LA's, but we've seen it, you know. The Clippers were a big destination spot, not the Lakers. We saw the Brooklyn Nets be the destination spot, not the Knicks. So where it may have changed a little bit, it's still those big markets, and and that's what guys are are looking to do is is become a brand, and they're looking to do it uh, where they can get the most attention.
6: We're talking with Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, I know you've got a, uh, your own radio show that you've got to get to, and appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, with us. So real quickly, Dan, D'Angelo Russell signed with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Golden State fell apart, essentially. Uh, the, the dynasty is gone for all intents and purposes, but they're trying to uh, keep the ship together, if you will, trying to keep the ship from sinking. Uh, is D'Angelo Russell one of those guys that can make that happen?
9: No, D'Angelo Russell is a guy who's going to fill in there until Klay Thompson's back to play, whether it be at the end of the season or next year. Uh, you know, they still got a pretty good backcourt that won a championship without Kevin Durant, so uh, he's going to become a trade piece. But the question is, is, is at what point is he going to become a trade piece? Will it be before the trade deadline this year, or will it be next summer? So, D'Angelo Russell, I, I think he realizes as well that he's there to uh, to fill a spot until uh, until Klay Thompson's back, and then he will be on the move. So it's just a question of how long he's there.
6: Uh, Tony, we've been talking about the East here for a little bit. We're talking about the Sixers and the and the and the Celtics and the Pacers, and you know the Sixers making some moves with, with Tobias uh, getting Tobias. They also picked up Al Horford, uh, who can play for, for, uh, forward or center for that matter. Uh, how how big of a Swiss Swiss Army knife is he for Philadelphia?
8: Yeah, real quick, I wanted to go back to the point um, that you guys were talking about as far as uh, sure. the NBA being sure. destination city. Um and to the point that was made, you go to a Pacer game and I always say this, you go to a Pacer game and you've got Terry Lee Honda sponsoring the Pacers. You go to a Laker game and you got Maserati. You go to a Knicks <laughs> sure. game and it's Tesla. That's just that that's honestly the difference. I mean you've got yeah, you're gonna make your money playing basketball, but I think these most of these players are greedy and they want that they want those extra endorsement contracts that you can get in the likes of Miami, New York, and LA. Back to Philadelphia, I think, as you and I talked about earlier in the hour, is that Al Horford is going to bring that I've done this before. I'm a veteran. I know how to win basketball games. I know how to be an athlete. I know how to be a professional basketball player on and off the court. I think he's going to bring that toughness, and he's going to bring that mental edge to the Sixers. And I I think the Sixers are hoping that it's going to help develop Joel Embiid even further than so what we've already seen, which is crazy because he's already a great player, help Ben Simmons in a leadership role, help Tobias
6: Harris. And I think this is a team that, that could contend next year as the number one seed in the East. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Miami Heat, and maybe they feel like they've, they've got some pieces in place. But there's a, another team in Florida called the Orlando Magic, and they picked up a big stud center, uh, Nukalik Mavak however you say his name, about $100 million. That was a good pickup for the Orlando Magic because they needed a big guy like that.
9: They do, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we saw the Magic sneak into the playoffs. But, I mean, does it really feel like they're a championship contender? I mean, it it feels like right now, even though we talked about it like this last year before the season, it was Golden State and whoever came out of the East. And this year with as loaded as the West is now, it just feels like, uh, you know, you're going to have to do something spectacular just to be a contender in the East. Not only that, have a chance at a championship. So, I mean, Orlando can maybe a team that squeaks in the playoffs again, sure. But I don't think at this point that they're they're anywhere close to even sniffing uh, a top five seed or, or a championship. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's they've got a nice little thing going. But it's going to take uh, a major shift somehow to, uh, to get Orlando to where they even feel like they can attend for an Eastern Conference championship.
6: Tony, the Dallas Mavericks decided that uh, they were going to keep Borzingas, uh who was out most of the season with a, a torn uh, ACL, uh, going to be out a little bit more g- coming into next season. But yet they go ahead and pull out the p- checkbook and pay him $158 million over the next five years. Uh, I, their owner's a pretty smart businessman, but I, I'm just wondering, was that a pretty smart business move on the part of the Dallas Mavericks?
8: Uh, you know the, the the Mavericks have a lot to look forward to in their
6: future. Um,
8: when and if Kristaps Porzingis comes back, obviously Luka Doncic was a great asset for that team last year. Um, they've paid some guys where you're, you're you're kind of questionable. You thought maybe they'd make more moves, um, but uh, you look at the Dallas Mavericks and you think, okay, that's that's a playoff team, but they're probably no better than the sixth seed out west. I mean. A lot of teams got better in the West, including Portland, including most of the L.A. teams. Denver's still going to be right there. Utah got better. The Rockets obviously got better over the last 48 hours. They're going to be right there. The Pelicans seem to get a lot better. Um, so if you're Dallas, you're a fringe 7-8 playoff team. Um, you thought they would probably make some more moves. we um, will be interesting to see if the Mavericks can get into the playoffs because it's going to be tough because the way that the West stacks up, and all the moves that other teams have made out west.
6: Mo, well, let's uh, give you an opportunity. While we still got to here for a few more minutes, to chime in on the Lakers. We've talked about uh, uh, we've talked about LeBron. We've talked about Frank Bogle being a figurehead coach. Uh, They brought in DeMarcus Cousins uh, from the Warriors. Uh, He he is, again, injury-prone. But just another piece in the puzzle that the L.A. Lakers think that they have it all figured out. I don't know that they do. I really don't. And as we talked about earlier, it looks like Print Vogel will be the one that will be the scapegoat on that. And he's kind of just the figurehead coach, if you will. I wanted to get your thoughts on the L.A. Lakers because, well, hell, they'll be L.A. Lakers.
9: (laughs) Well, you know, I think all of us have had experience with seeing what Frank Vogel can do uh, with a basketball team. My concern, if I'm Frank Vogel, was the fact that uh, the the, the Lakers brought in two former head coaches as my assistant coaches, an opportunity where they're just looking, I think, for, uh, you know, like you said, a scapegoat. But, I mean, you know, you look at the season DeMarcus Cousins had uh, a couple years ago before he got hurt and he was putting on his best season uh, ever. Can he return to that form will be the question. Obviously, we saw from the, uh, from the finals that his cardio needs to uh, get much better uh, as he was coming off an injury, then sidelined again for the first part of the playoffs. Uh, you know, my concern with the Lakers, just like it was last year, will be outside shooting. You know, you bring in Danny Green, which, uh, you know, I, I thought was good. Uh, you know, you bring in a couple other, a couple other smaller pieces, but I, I still think you're going to wind up seeing maybe a guy like Kyle Korver wind up out there or J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis need guys who can spread the floor. And uh, and, you know, and and not just a collection of stiffs like they had last year. So, uh, you know, maybe the Lakers aren't done. I know that, uh, you know, Chris Paul's probably going to be on the move. The Lakers obviously don't have room for him, but can they be a third team to take on another guy who can score and shoot the basketball from outside? uh it's going to be interesting lebron's going to retain number 23 for another year because of production issues so uh anthony davis wear uh wear his old middle school number this year uh you know it's going to be exciting to watch but the team across the hall i think could be the team of la uh with Kawhi and paul george and the team they've assembled over there i I like the front office so much better of the clippers uh it's going to be interesting it uh what we'll kind of start uh, – how much rope will Frank Vogel have? And, uh, you know, if they're off to a bad start, do we see Frank Vogel bounce like Ty Lue was early on last season after eight games?
6: I want to get both of you guys' uh, thoughts on Bobanovic, who played – and I know I just butchered his name, so I do apologize. You know, he had a, a really good season, a, a quiet outbreak, if you will. did a fantastic job stepping up uh, for Victor and Depot. Uh, he's certainly a guy I would have liked to keep on the team, but I understand money is what it is. Uh, he got four years, $73 million with the Jazz. The Jazz needed another big guy after Hayward uh, uh, got hurt and then moved out to to Boston. Uh, so we'll start with you, Mo, because I know you got to go, and then we'll go to, to you, Tony. But uh, uh leaving the Pacers for the Jazz, it, it, it might be a good fit for both teams, but I'm one of those guys that would have liked to have him stay with the Pacers, Mo.
9: Yeah, I mean, look at Bogdanovich, you know, it's uh, it's a guy who definitely helped spread the floor for the Pacers, a guy who could hit clutch threes and make clutch baskets when he needed, always played hard. But, you know, it, it's a guy that, were, did you want to pay for the next four years that kind of money and hope that the production of the last two years or year and a half continues? Uh, he goes to a team in Utah that has continued to get better. Uh, you saw, you know, them bring in a guy like Mike Conley, uh, which is going to help, so Utah is going to be a fun team to watch next year. When you look at guys like Donovan Mitchell and and Mike Conley, and Bogdanovich on that team, I think they're going to be a fun team. But again, you know, like was mentioned earlier uh, by Tony, like where do they where do they fit in the West? Because it, it, the West now is so top heavy. You could see good teams like that be playing for a, an seed. So uh, you know, I, I think it's a good move on both parts. I think the Kevin Pritchard was leery of, of paying him for another for four more years of that kind of money. Uh, you know, because we've seen a great player for a year and a half, but where where did it continue? I like Malcolm Brogdon, to me, of that second level of guys uh, who could be, uh, who were restricted or, or unrestricted free agents, He's a guy I just, I love. Uh, so I think that the, the Pacers, uh, you know, they decided to use that money on Malcolm Brogdon, and, and I like it. So like you said, I, I think it works out for both teams in the end.
6: Well, absolutely. And and as Tony mentioned, that certainly is a good uh, pickup as far as uh, a bang for the buck. Tony, real quick, what are your thoughts on uh, Bobanovic going to uh, the Jazz?
8: Yeah, I I thought those were all great points, right, Mo? You look at Boyan, as as Mo mentioned, a guy who's clutch. Um, I'll have to ask, you know, I'd ask Mo this. The only thing that I was a little bit concerned about with Boyan going to the Jazz was he's basically Joe Ingalls. I mean, Joe Ingalls outside of being a lefty and Boyan being a righty, they play similar. They hit those clutch shots. They're guys that play on the perimeter that can knock down shots. So we'll see if maybe Boyan comes off the bench, but the Jazz are an upstart team. We'll see if Mike Conley can kind of have a refreshed game now that he's out of Memphis. And he, you know, we see sometimes that that, that the scenery change changes a player for the better. Sometimes it changes him for the worse. Uh, but the Jazz are an intriguing team, knowing that they can literally fall anywhere from fourth in the West all the way down to being on the outside of the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. But as Mo mentioned, where do they fit in and where will they be? Because Donovan Mitchell's a great player. Um, you've got the defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. You've got Bojan, you've got Ingles, and you've got Mike Conley. But I think it, just, it depends on how good Mike Conley can be and that's kind of the cap that's kind of the cap or the ceiling the roof of how far the jazz can go.
6: Mo, well, I know you got to go but any final thoughts, words of wisdom, uh any uh responses to to Tony's uh comments there. I know you've got to get on the air. You have uh your loyal fan base of well way more than the two listeners that we have. No, I'm just kidding. go ahead though.
9: <laughs> the uh yeah, the uh you know, what I would what I would caution all these West teams, you know, you see them bringing all these big stars what we saw last year. I mean, minus the injuries at Golden State, when you spend so much money on, on three players, you tend to have a, a bench a lot of times with stiffs. You know, we saw Toronto, who had uh, amazing play from the benches. So I think you'll see a lot of Eastern Conference teams that could be more well-rounded because they do have uh, they do have uh, bench scoring. You know, they've got guys who come off the bench and play very well. And so it'll be interesting to see which of those West teams can, uh, you know, have the, the best bench uh, when it comes to cheer. Sure, because that could make the biggest difference of – what do you have off the bench and can they come in and give you quality minutes when your stars are taking a breather or you you hit an injury like, uh, like golden state did last year. So it will be fun to see as these, uh, these other guys maybe fall into place as, as these West teams would have all these superstars assemble their benches.
6: Mo from the BS sports show, always a privilege to have you on and your expert knowledge and being a part of the panel of experts that we have. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir?
9: Oh, uh, well, uh, minus the videos that were taken down off Pornhub on Twitter, uh, at Mo Radio
6: Show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. You have yourself a good oh, day. Man, no, you thanks, too.
9: <laughs>
6: exactly. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Give him a follow on Atmo Radio. He does a lot of sports, but he does a lot of other stuff, uh, in pop culture and that sort of stuff. Tony, are you, are you into the Stranger Things?
8: Um, I watched season one, and I never got to season two, and now I know that they're on season three, so I probably need to uh, sit down one of these rainy days and catch up.
6: Well, you know, I'm a big Stranger Things fan, and I, fortunately I was on pace, but I, I'm only into like uh, episode three in season three. It's really good uh, as far as the, the, the nostalgic way. I, I know you didn't necessarily grow up in the 80s, but – the way they do this show is just tremendous, and it's no wonder they've got such a good following. I, I, I'm I'm thinking that it's better than Game of Thrones. Or probably, I probably I know a lot of people will shoot me on that, uh, but I didn't know if you had, had watched that or not. But the these pop culture Netflix phenomenons is, you know, who, who needs to, anything? But Stranger Things, yeah, check it out, bro. You'll you'll definitely. Well, I, uh,
8: I've always said if I want to write a movie.
6: Um, regardless of what the movie is
8: about, it's going to be set around Christmas. So it gets continued to be played around Christmas every year, whether it's on Netflix or any of the other channels. So um, I'm definitely going to have to catch up on the stranger things. I know there's a lot of advertising for it right now and like Burr King and Baskin Robbins has, has different promotions with them. So, um, I'm going to have to sit down one of these days, devote what, eight to 12 hours, uh, on it and, <laughs> uh, try to, uh, try to catch up on uh on what's going on
6: well it takes place in indiana uh in northern indiana so it kind of takes place, but in one of the scenes here in season three i'm not going to give any too many spoilers but they there's a scene that's that's taking place in a mall in indiana and if you grew up in the 80s like i did the malls were the place to be at and i think the malls but they had all the Shops used to be at on the, you know, Spencer's Gifts and all of that. The ice cream spots and, as you mentioned, Baskin Robbins, all kinds of stuff with the mall. But they took this abandoned mall in Georgia, I believe it's outside of Atlanta, and they totally converted it to a mall that was a replica of a mall in Indianapolis. So it was, it's kind of a a neat, neat little thing. Christmas movies, Die Hard is that, is that a Christmas movie or not?
8: Yeah, absolutely.
6: <laughs> it absolutely is. And didn't Bruce Willis put that to rest this past year? Didn't he say that it was? I'm pretty sure yeah. that he did. Back to the
8: Stranger Things thing. I mean people are so in love right now with 80s and 90s nostalgia. Um, there's a lot of companies that I've seen recently. Pizza Hut comes to mind, Miller Lite, Coca-Cola, Pepsi. They've all gone back to those old-school throwback logos there are so many professional sports teams that are going back and, and wearing throwback gear um, people are in love with nostalgia from the 80s and 90s right now and, and i think that's why stranger things is, has really thrived um, because it's really nothing more than what we saw in the movie super eight but there's a music to it there's a like you said a pop cult there's pop culture to it um, and it takes a lot of people back to to their childhood and what people are comfortable with, and I mean, you look at the. Every, it seems like every month there's a there's a new movie coming out, and it's a remake, whether it's Lion King, or it's Shaft, or it's another movie just being remade. Like you re, you're not really reinventing the wheel, you're just bringing that nostalgic nature back to people, and I think people are in love with that right now.
6: No, absolutely, and I think a lot of it is because. People my age, if you will, old farts like me who were, you know, in high school in the 80s are the ones now who are spending money that advertisers are appealing to. So they're like, hey, these guys are the ones that are spending money. I don't know. Just I, I think a thought. It's a way, back. I think the way for Go parents ahead. to kind of bond with their kids and
8: say, hey, this is what we did, this is what we watched, this is how it was when I was your age. And if kids can get behind that and get into it, 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 it brings families together, and it's, uh, you just reminisce on, quote-unquote, the good times and what you remember as a kid and what you're comfortable with. And I think Stranger Things, among other shows, has done a great job of kind of capturing that audience as far as, hey, you know, it's a, it's a kid's movie that anybody can relate to, or it's a kid's show that anybody can relate to. But there's also a lot of nostalgic value and a lot of throwback uh, to it, and people are in love with that right now.
6: Absolutely. Well, you know, we talked about the whole drama behind Space Jam 2, and it's a take, a bring back movie, obviously several years old. Are you going to see Space Jam 2 when it comes out? Uh,
8: If if my nephews want to go see it, I will take them, but I won't. I'm not a big movie theater (laughs) guy. Um, I think it'll be cool to watch, though, and just to see how much it it plays a role and how much um, in pop culture. Because when Space Jam came out in in the early to mid-90s, how huge that was. And I'm interested to see how they use the NBA stars and, and how they act and how their characteristics are. Um, so I will probably see it, but probably not in the
6: theaters. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times, well, you can't say anymore. It used to, We could say, well, we'll wait for it to come out on DVD. And I'm old enough to say, well, we may wait for it to come out at Blockbuster. But that's I'm really starting to show my age. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go into the nursing home soon. But. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track here. We've got a few more minutes. Tony D, Brooke Lopez uh, signed with the Bucks. Obviously, uh, uh, there was a, a trade uh, as, a signing with the Pacers from the Bucks. I'm sorry, uh, that we just talked about. But Brooke Lopez... Signed with the Milwaukee Bucks as well.
8: Yeah, I mean he was a he was a big part of that team last year um, that almost made it to the NBA Finals. Um, he's really improved his game as far as being able to shoot the three pointers um, because that's what you need to do. And you, as, as a big man, as a center, and we see it with Miles Turner, and we'll probably see it with Demonis Sabonis this year with the Pacers. Is you have to be able to step out and be able to knock down. Uh, three-point shots, and, and, and Brooke Lopez really upped this three-point game, and uh, that ended up getting him a, a contract extension with Milwaukee. I think he's a fit for that team. He's a, he's, a, he's a leader in that locker room, and it's a guy they want to keep around. So um, that's good for Brooke Lopez, who's really, really changed his game over the last uh, two to three years.
6: Well, J.J. Redick uh, signed with the New Orleans pelicans and uh, the new orleans pelicans obviously had the number one pick overall pick zion zion goes down in the summer league i don't ever watch summer league anyway i i, I almost think it's w- more worthless than the nfl preseason but that's neither here nor there it just doesn't count i don't know just I, I just have never been able to get into it but zion gets hurt in the summer league he's out uh they they're anticipating that he'll be back for the season but he may not be back at the very beginning but jj reddick is there two years 26 million dollars um What are your thoughts on Zion, as far as you know, this big superstar, fun to watch in college, gets drafted number one overall. I think he's going to have a lot to learn, and there's so much, you know, me, 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 me. When I'm in college, when you're when you're in the NBA, it's not all you, 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 and so he's going to have to learn that. But I mean, I, I hate to wish ill will on anybody, but I mean, if he's already getting hurt. That makes me wonder is he going to be as good and strong as we think that he's going to be? And then, of course, J.J. Redick uh, there to, to help out with the, uh, with the Pelicans. I like the moves the Pelicans have made. And, and basically, Zion kind of had a, had
8: a banged up knee. He, he, had, locked, he, had, he had hit knees with another player. And the Summer League is a Summer League. And then, why risk anything? Um, I, I, it's amazing to me that Lottery picks play in that Summer League because there's a chance of getting hurt. Um, but, you know, just you, you take the precaution on your number one pick and your future in a franchise, at least for the next five years, until he may leave and sign somewhere else, but if you're the Pelicans, you protect that pick and, you know, he got banged up and you don't risk it and you say, okay, no big deal, it's all good, we move forward and we'll we'll, we'll play him when we have to play you and we need you, which will be uh, coming up in October when the season starts, so I mean, I don't think it, it means he's going to be injured prone, I don't think it means that Um, he's not going to get the run or the playing time that he needs to. Uh, It's just simply a precaution that if I was the owner or coach of a a franchise that had a guy like Zion, uh, I wouldn't take any more risks than I needed to. And that's what they feel right now with him sitting out. And I think as an owner, as a fan of that franchise, you would have to be okay with that.
6: Let's talk a little bit, uh, move over to the MLB. We've got our last few minutes here. Sprinkle some MLB in, uh, get some of this basketball out of the way, and we'll start getting back on track. I'm talking uh, baseball on a more regular uh, basis, uh, if you will, no pun intended. But all-star break is usually that that halfway point, if you will. It's it's kind of like you want to watch as much baseball as you can. I'm a huge baseball fan. But you really got to start watching and paying attention post-All-Star. Uh, First of all, let's talk about the All-Stars the American League makes me want to vomit yet again, wins Yankees yet again, uh, right there for the save. Uh, the National League just can't seem to figure it out uh, in the All-Stars, and I know it's a fun game to watch, and, 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 and in, in in the big scheme of everything, it doesn't mean anything, other than a lot of bragging rights and this and that, but first of all, what were your thoughts about the the, the All-Star, Home Run Derby, the All-Star game, yet the American League winning, Uh, We'll start with that.
8: Well, it certainly does mean something knowing that you're going to get home field advantage um, in the world series. I think the Yankees are the favorites. Um, Boston has kind of faded um, as of late. Um, You've got an upstart team in the Minnesota twins that are, that are good. Um, We saw what the angels did last night um, honoring their fallen teammate, Tyler Skaggs and and combining for a no hitter. Um, That was pretty crazy. just shows how great sports are. Um, But, yeah, I thought the home run derby was awesome. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was absolutely hitting bombs. Um, uh, Alonzo from the Mets is a great player. Um, As a rookie, he's going to be a guy that's going to be around for a long time. I love the home run derby. Um, it's, It's a lot like Stranger Things. It's nostalgic for me. It brings back the days of playing wiffle ball home run derby in the backyard and trying to hit it over the fence and then watching Home Run Derby in the greats of Ken Griffey Jr. That was in it, and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. So um, I love the Home Run Derby. I the All-Star game it was kind of boring. Um, I thought Joe Buck asked some pretty dumb questions to the players that were in the field. Um, but, you know, you watch it because what the heck else were you going to watch? There was nothing else going on. So um, I love the Home Run Derby. It's always more entertaining than the All-Star game, which is same can be said for the NBA and the slam dunk and a three-point compared to the actual game. The Pro Bowl is as boring as against, and I think the NHL All-Star Game, the, the skills competitions and the speed skating they do the night prior is more exciting than the actual game, um, but we'll see. I think the Yankees certainly have the advantage in the American League. I think the National League's up for grabs. Can the Cubs get going? Can you Darvish find the strike zone uh, for the Cubs? Um, can the Braves keep up their pace? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, I think the National League is totally up for grabs, and there's there's probably one or two realistic teams in the American League that can make it.
6: Well, you know, we're in an area of the world where most of the uh, baseball fans in our area, anyway, there's, there's a few scattered, uh, rogue people, but either Cubs, Rabbits, or Cardinals. I fall in the Cardinal camp die hard. Uh, but then there's the, the Cubs and, uh, the Reds. And, uh, so National League Central, what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the Cardinals are only three games back and, you know, nobody wants to see the Cubs, uh, do well. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, so then you got the pirates with the reds are doing what the reds do They're five and five and a half games back in the national league central. Uh, let's wrap it up with, uh, talking about the national league central because that's where most of, uh, uh, the people that live near us are fans of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you think about three games, seems like a lot, but that's a
8: weekend series and it, the Cardinals and the Cubs have a lot of games to be played against each other. Um, so they kind of controlled their own destination. But, you know, the Pirates are sneaky good. And the Reds, as inconsistent as they've been, um, they still seem to wreak havoc sometimes. And the Brewers are a great team. if They can get their pitching staff in order, and Christian Yelich can stay hot. And guys like Ryan Braun and Lorenzo Cain can play well. Uh, that's a team that people forget went to the National League Championship Series last year. So uh, there are three, I think, good teams. In, in the NL Central there's one decent team in the Pirates and then you got the Reds who you know they're not the they're not obviously world beaters and probably going to make the playoffs but they still have a lot of great hitting and they finally have um, some pitching going their direction so um, they can wreak havoc um, late in, in the season with you know we see a lot of those NL Central matchups coming down to the wire um, but you know the Reds as bad as people think they are. They're only five and a half games out of first place. So that's 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 a that's a long winning streak away from being at the top. Um the Pirates and the Cardinals are right around five hundred, as is Milwaukee. The the Brewers are a game back of the Cubs. So that's the division where you've got five teams that can win any given night.
6: Absolutely. Tony Donahue of the of the uh Tony D podcast. Where can people find your work in Massachusetts? Yeah, Tony D. Indy on Twitter. Uh, you can check me on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just
8: search the Tony D. Podcast. We talked a little Pacers this week, talked a little car, and uh, we'll do more throughout the upcoming weeks.
6: All right, Tony, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks. Tony Donahue joins us talking some NASCAR. Uh, some NBA draft. Really appreciate him taking some uh, time to spend the last half of the show uh, talking uh, racing and uh, uh, NBA. My name is Tom Marcoussel, President Day. Thanks to Tyson Mark Schleiger joining us from Toronto uh, in the car race. Remember, don't drink and drive. It is cool. We call the balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Remember to follow us on social media. I'm out of here deuces.